Hi, and welcome to the Heights Baptist Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Whether you are listening on your favorite podcast app or watching us here at our YouTube page, uh, today we are uh, on location in our church, Matt, but we are it, there's special things behind us. That's right. We are under the sea today <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> because right now at our church, uh, we are hosting the Joyful Theater Company from Friendswood. It's a Christian-based uh, theater company, and this weekend uh, they are putting on uh, the production Little Mermaid. And so, you know, our, our audience can enjoy, those that are watching can enjoy a little different background. So. I kind of feel like I should address like a pirate today. <laughs> Maybe next time. So, and as always, I'm joined with our worship pastor, uh, Pastor Matt uh, Hogan. And our mission here at Heist is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. So no matter where you are, we'd love to help you take your next step of faith. Uh, this episode is uh, part two of a three-part series that we are doing on deacons and nominations and qualifications of deacons because in the life of our church right now, we are beginning the deacon nomination process. And so in episode one, uh, we looked at Acts chapter six and the birth of the office of deacons and, and talked about a few of the qualifications there and why as a church we take nominations uh, and so if you missed that episode, I encourage you to go back after you watch this one and uh, and listen and watch that uh, first part as well. And then uh, next week, we'll finish up our qualification talk. So, Matt, we're going to do 1 Timothy chapter 3 today. Um, so in the qualifications, we, we talked about Acts chapter 6, you know, full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit. And then Timothy gets nine qualifications that Paul is outlining here. First uh, Timothy chapter three, um, the first part of the chapter talks about pastor qualifications, and the second part talks about deacon uh, qualifications. So Paul's writing this letter uh, to Timothy, who's a young pastor in the faith. He's writing at the local churches, and he's saying these are qualifications, qualities you're looking for men in these uh, two offices within a, a local church. And so we're just going to go one by one. Um, I know some of them are pretty easy to just zip on by. We'll get no questions or no real in-depth in discussion. There will be a few that will <laughs> lend ourselves to a little more discussion. Um, but if you don't mind, if you've got the, the passage open, let's just read 1 Timothy 3, if you don't mind, verses 8 through 13. Let's just kind of give the whole list, and then we're just going to start breaking it down. It sounds good. Deacons likewise. And of course, that likewise means because he's been talking about qualifications for pastors. Right. And so in, in verse 8, he transitions into deacons. Uh, deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, thanks. So we see nine qualifications there for deacons uh, throughout all those verses you just read. Uh, one of them actually speaks to wives, and so we're, we're going to get into that next week. But the the main difference I want to point out for those that are, are listening and watching 
is really it's the same list as the earlier parts of verses 1 through 7 of chapter 3, the same as a pastor with one qualify, you know, kind of one change, and that is deacons are not um, supposed to be gifted to teach. Right. You know, whereas pastors should have the, the gift of teaching, preaching, uh, because that's obviously a main part of, of what I do as a, yeah. as a lead pastor is the proclamation of God's word. And so those, those qualification lists are going to really match up pretty much the same, except, you know, that one uh, big difference. So let's just start taking these one by one. Uh, must be dignified. Well, how would you explain that to someone? What are, what are we looking for in, in that qualification? I'm looking for somebody who's got a good reputation in the community. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for somebody who's got a, a level head on their shoulders, uh, somebody who speaks, again, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit with wisdom from Acts mm-hmm. chapter 6. This is a guy who, when he speaks, you hear wisdom. Yeah. You don't, you don't hear a lot of folly. You're not seeing a lot of folly mm-hmm. in their life, making bad decisions, um, not, uh, not constantly getting in fights with people. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So not real hot heads. <laughs> right, you, yeah, somebody who's you know, cool, yeah. somebody who's got their temper under control. Right, yeah, and then someone, if you, you know, maybe they're a business owner or something, and you, you kind of ask people around town, hey, what do you think of, you know, Joe? Ooh, Joe, ooh, you know, or, I mean, you know, so somebody has a good reputation outside of the church and also inside the church. You know, and that's, that's, that's key. Uh, so the second one is not double-tongued. I mean, that's, pretty easy to kind of understand it's not a gossip um i think of it this way their their yes is a yes their no is a no somebody that's trusted with information uh because as a as a deacon and a level of leadership within a congregation um they're serving people sometimes they're serving families that may be having a hard situation or or they're brought something in confidence that somebody may be struggling and like you said, they're a good person of dignity, so they're they're seeking that wisdom from that person, and so you don't you don't want somebody that's a gossip, right? You know, that's going to go out and spill the beans on that person. Yeah, somebody who's able to to hold things in confidence, right? Somebody that you're able to trust. Yeah, yeah, good. So those two are pretty easy to discuss. I think we can all go, ha ha, we agree one hundred percent. And here comes one of the more controversial ones. Uh, the third one is not addicted to much wine you can start that one (laughs) um so the first thing that i would say about this is this is definitely going to get us into an area in the life of the church that we're going to call disputable matters this is an area where where christians disagree and people who love jesus can have differing opinions on this issue right um i would say kind of historically there was a really big push um, in the 1800s. Alcoholism was destroying the American frontier, mm-hmm. and it was ripping apart families. Mm-hmm. And because you know, it, frontier life was a hard life, and guys would get would get wasted, and then they would beat on their wives and their kids. And there was a huge push as, as like the Second Great Awakening was happening, right. and as and as people were coming to Jesus in that. In those 1800s, there was a huge push to to have you know a, a zero tolerance policy on alcohol. Right now, historically, in Christianity, that hasn't necessarily been the case. I mean, there's even places you know um, later on in the letter, you know, um, Paul says to Timothy, "Look, you got to 
quit drinking the water. You got to drink a little bit of wine because your stomach's upset. Yeah. So there's obviously, there's obviously, you know, biblically, there's a place for alcohol in the life of God's people. Um, but there definitely has been a push, especially in American Christianity in the 19th and 20th centuries to encourage total abstinence from alcohol. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be believers that fall down on both sides mm -hmm. of this issue. Yeah. Uh, what I think is important to point out in this particular verse is, is the word is addiction. Right. You know, so the question is not, uh, does this person drink at all? The question is, is this a person who's enslaved to something? Mm -hmm. Is this this person who's got a problem yeah. with alcohol? And I would say you could probably extrapolate to say, you know, if this person has a problem with alcohol or a problem with drugs, some kind of substance abuse, you know, that, that would be the thing that you would want to avoid. Is this, right. is this a person who's got something in their life that is controlling them? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Cause the, you can translate it out also this way. They're not given too much wine. Right. You know, and so the same kind of thought process, they're not addicted to it. It's enslaving them. They're controlling not drinking them. to excess. Right. They're not drinking to excess. Um, actually, I've never thought about the argument you made of, of the frontier and because you do, you have guys like Billy Sunday, uh, who was a former professional baseball player in the early 1900s. And that was really what, during Prohibition time, he was, you know, an evangelist and really crusaded for, you know, the abstinence part. But, of course, we do recognize in other parts of our world that wine is some people's water. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know. Because it's safer, it's safer, it's safer than, than, than some yeah. water. You know, so you go to some countries and, you know, think of like Germany and, I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're drinking beer and wine with everything because culturally that's what you do. Right. Um, so that's one thing I think we have to look at. And, and you mentioned it, too. And I think it would be good for our, our folks to go back and listen to a couple of podcasts back when we talked about those tier issues. And that right. was one of our beautiful mess uh, podcasts. I'm trying to remember it off the top of my head. I don't remember what. So why don't we just say they need to go back and listen to them all? Yeah, right? there you yeah, go. There you go. <laughs> you know, yeah. but but we talked about those tier issues, you know, tier one. Uh, core convictions that we don't compromise on the word of God, the gospel, who's Jesus, you know, who's the Holy Spirit. You know, those, you know, baptism can sometimes be a tier one for people, but a tier two, you know, baptism, maybe um, music styles or different things. You get into those levels of where it's like, hey, we don't have to split on this. We don't have to break fellowship. And, and I would say this is a tier three for me, whereas... Mm -hmm. I know within our local congregation here, there'd be people who are hard line. You know, you should never have a bottle in your house or drop, you know, take a drop. And then there'd be some who may be social drinkers that, you know, drink maybe for medical reasons, as far as they have a glass every so often, like you said. Or it's good for your heart. Good for your heart. Or yeah. they're out at a nice steak restaurant and having a nice dinner and have a glass of red wine or something. Um, so that to me, that's not an issue to, you know, lose sleep over or, you know, or to break fellowship or break over. fellowship at all. Yeah. And, you know, my, my personal conviction on it is, uh, I do practice abstinence. Um, some of that is because of, of me, my personal conviction. Some of that is my personality, uh, in the sense that, that I don't do just things in moderation. I'm, a, I'm like the guy who's like, it's you're either in the, not in the pool or you're in the deep end of the pool. You know, right. it's, uh, <laughs> so one Dr. Pepper can lead to two Dr. Peppers or three in a day really, really quick. You know, and so we, we, Sandra and I have laughed because over the years we've tried those diets like the whole 30 and you get a cheat day and I can't, I can't do those. Like, cause a cheat day to me is 
two days a week and then I'm out, and then I'm back, yeah. you know? And so when I do those things, I have to go like cold Turkey. Like, I mean, I'm like, no, there's no cheating. That's my personality. I have a very addictive personality in that way. So I know me. And so I, I'm like, you know, I don't want that temptation. I don't want to go there. Um, my personal convictions as well, just as a pastor is I know that this is a confusing issue to people. Um, and so I don't want to be out in public, you know, drinking a glass of wine. And then there may be somebody who knows me in our church that might struggle with alcohol and say, well, there's Lee, he's drinking a glass of wine. Well, that's, if it's okay for him, it's okay for me, you know? And so I, I look at it as I don't want to cause someone to stumble, um, just in the position I'm in, you know, but the, to me, that's my personal conviction, right? You know? I don't, again, though, condemn anyone who has the occasional glass of wine or the beer, you know, and they're out grilling steaks or something like that. I don't want us to go farther than what the Bible goes, you know, and the Bible's very clear. Drunkenness is a sin. Drunkenness is wrong. Drunkenness is dangerous. I think we call that out as sin. An issue like this, I think we can caution people, and I think that's fine and well and good, but to label it a sin because, you know, you had a glass of wine with that steak. Eh, no, I'm not comfortable with doing that, you know? And, and, and I think the other part of this that we miss because next week we intentionally split the list because next week we'll get into husband of one wife and the whole divorce issue. And then we'll talk about that. And we will flesh that out a lot is the mistake we often make in our churches is really those two issues. We'll look at these lists and we'll go, well, does, does Matt drink beer? And has he been divorced? Oh, he doesn't drink beer and he's not been divorced. Check. Then he should be right. good, right? Because those are the... And no, we just went over two qualifications of having, being of good, you know, reputation, not being double tongue, not giving to much wine. Guess what? The first two qualifications hold just as much weight as this one does. Yeah. And I think we, we've lost that sometimes within our churches. When we look at these, these are all important. We look at the whole picture. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah, good. really good. Good. So let's go on to the next one. So um, not greedy for dishonest gain. Not greedy for dishonest gain. You know, I, I was thinking about this one, and the first thing that I thought about was Judas mm. when he was with the disciples. Right. And we find out in John's gospel that Judas was um, the guy who was in charge of the finances. Yeah. He, was the he was the bookkeeper. Right. And, uh, and you find out... Judas says this thing when the woman uh, brings the perfume to Jesus and anoints his feet. Yeah. Judas gets really upset and he says what sounds like a very noble thing. He says, we should have sold this money. We should have sold this <laughs> and given it to the poor. Yeah, yeah. But then John lets us in on a little secret. He's like, he didn't really want to give it to the poor. He had his hand yeah, in the till. He's been skimming it. You know? Yeah. So again, you're in a situation uh, as deacons, as you're coming alongside families to help families, right. that you may be getting into some kind of messy financial stuff. Right. And so you want somebody who's financially um, has integrity. Right. You know, you want somebody who is not looking for a way mm -hmm. to, to be skimming or on the take or to take advantage of. Yeah. You know, because you could, I mean, you could hypothetically think of a situation where, you know, Deacon so-and-so comes to your house. I'm going to help you out with this and we're going to get this stuff taken care of. And, you know, and then I'm, and I'm getting a cut on like, You know what I mean? Right. Like that, that's, that's a, when, when you're, when you're taking care of people and you're dealing with some of those, you know, more sensitive things mm -hmm. like finances, sometimes yeah. like you want somebody who's financially uh, a person of integrity. Right. Right. 
And that's the thing. All this list, it really boils down to that. It's integrity. Yeah. You know, these are these are who you are at your core type type issues, you know, because those those things are going to come out, whether whether you're good at it or you're not good at it, you know, so to speak. Um, and so, yeah, the, and it translates out um, also not a lover of money. So, yeah, same thing where maybe not addicted to much wine, not addicted to money. Right. So they're not a greedy person. You know, this is a an office of service as a deacon. You know, so you want someone who's a giver, who's a servant. And, um, you know, and, and so this ought to be somebody who tithes. This ought to be somebody who tithes regularly. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're marked by their giving spirit and their, their actions. Um, and we talked about it last week in Acts chapter 6, that those were guys who were serving because there was an issue where people weren't being served. And the disciples are like, hey, this is a lot for us 12 to manage over a couple of thousand people here. We need help in serving out the daily distribution. And, and so that's what we want to look for. We want to look for servants within our church. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I personally, I will never vote for a guy. I will veto a nomination if I can, if it's a person who's already not serving, you know. Because why in the world would you want to put them in a deacon serving position if they're already not doing anything in a local church? I mean, that's no, <laughs> it just it doesn't match up, you know. And so we, we look at that of of those qualities and their actions. Um, and then verse nine, I think we'll we'll probably stop here because I think this is a good transition uh, part of the passage is they must hold to the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. So help us understand that a little bit. I mean, I think the bottom line is that, of that is, do they understand the gospel? Mm-hmm. Now, again, we're talking about deacons. And so we're the expectation for them is not necessarily that they're going to be primarily teachers of the scripture, though some of them might be. I mean, we've right. got deacons yep. in our church who are they're, life group leaders yep. and who are yep. leading um, leading equip groups right. and small group Bible studies. So that's certainly something that they, that they can do. Yeah. Um, but that's not necessarily going to be their primary responsibility. Like it's going to be your primary right. responsibility. Um, but you do want someone who understand, who has a good grasp on the gospel and mm-hmm. hopefully somebody who can communicate uh, the gospel in, in like a one-on-one setting right. where they can, they're capable of, of leading someone to Christ and yeah. being able to share their faith with someone. And so they've got a good understanding of what the gospel is. And they've got sort of a good kind of baseline idea of what it means to be saved, who Jesus is, what Jesus came to do. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And I, I think it's somebody who obviously understands the gospel that, and we pointed out earlier, it's not that they have to have the gift of teaching, preaching, you know, and we do have, like you said, some deacons who teach life groups and different things, but that's not a qualification that they have to teach large groups of people or preach to a congregation. But like any believer in Jesus, they ought to know what they believe about Christ and be able to communicate that, you know, on at least a one-on-one level. Um, But I also look for somebody who, you know, they're regularly in the word. You know, I mean, I think that's what Paul's getting at as well, that Again, they're they're growing in it. It doesn't mean they master it all because we <laughs> none of us master it all. Uh, believe me, I've been working through the passage I'm going to preach in First Corinthians, and I'm still on a couple verses where I'm like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. 
but we filmed this on Wednesday and Sunday's coming, so I got a couple more days. But right now, like, I don't know how to explain these two verses that will hopefully make sense to people. But they, they ought to have some basic elementary understanding of God's word and, and show a progression, I think, of of growing in that. Yeah. So so what how would you kind of as people are beginning, because this is a three-week nomination process for us, um, how would you encourage people as they're starting to maybe look at these lists, think about people within our local congregation, um, and maybe even wondering, well, how does this even apply to me? What, how, how would you encourage them on that? Well, I mean, so, so specifically, like, in our context at Heights, one of the reasons we're talking about this during this uh, time of the year is because this is when we're going to start thinking about um, deacon nominations. Right. And so there's, we're going to have opportunities starting this weekend and then going for a few weeks yeah. where you'll, you'll be able to nominate people, nominate guys that you um, feel like you see evidence of this in their lives. Mm -hmm. So practically, that's one of the reasons we're doing this. But then an another thing I think, this is a list of things that we all ought to strive for. Mm -hmm. Good. Just because maybe we're not called to be deacons or we're not we're, we're not there yet yeah. doesn't mean that these aren't things that every believer ought to strive for. Right. You know, we want to be people who are people of our word. We want to be people of integrity. We want to be people that have our lives under control. We want to be people that are not addicted to substances or addicted to money mm -hmm. or addicted to other people's approval. Right. Um, we want to be... Uh, we want to be people that have a good understanding, a good working knowledge of the gospel. Yeah. These are all things that I think we want to strive for. So don't think of this as, again, this isn't a, a list of boxes you check when you're vetting a potential leadership candidate. Yeah. These are things that all of us ought to strive for as believers. And all of us should be, should be moving in that direction. Now, not a single one of us is ever going to meet everything on this list perfectly all the time. Right. Except Jesus. Yeah. yeah. You know, but the, but we want to continually be growing in our relationship with Jesus so that our life reflects him more and more all the time. And as we continue to pursue him and to spend time in the word, we want a life that looks more and more like this list that Paul's given us. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And I would agree with that because... I think you don't, I would be concerned if you sat down with someone and you go, let's walk through this list. Where are you weak? Where are you struggling? Where do you need to grow? And they go, I got it. <laughs> I'm okay. Check, 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 check. Uh, maybe you're not cut out for leadership, you know, yeah. because part of leadership is growing, knowing where you're weak, knowing where you need the gospel to work in your life. And, uh, and we'll get into one of the qualifications next week that I recently had a discussion with one of the people within our church. And, and, and this person said, you know, I don't know if I really could be a deacon because I'm struggling with this. It's like, actually, that's a really good thing for you to identify. Like that shows maturity when someone as a believer goes, I know I have an issue. I need to work on that issue. Here is how I'm taking action on that issue. And I need God's deep work of forgiveness and grace in my life, immaturity is going, I'm fine, I'm good, I don't need any help, or I don't need Jesus to forgive me or grow me. No, that those are folks we go, I, I don't know if you're really cut out for this type of service position. And so, you know, I, I would encourage this, folks, as you're beginning to 
think about this, pray about this, look at some of these biblical passages, we'll be taking our nominations on the 23rd of May, the 30th, and also June 6th. So if you're a member of Heights Baptist Church, there will be opportunities for you in person to fill out those ballots. You'll also be getting some emails with an electronic uh, link that you can click in that email that can allow you to do that online. And so I really appreciate you joining us uh, today uh, under the sea. And so when we surface next week, see, that's, that was a bad dad joke, because so, all this will be done behind us. Uh, we will continue part two, or part three, excuse me, of First Timothy chapter three, and we'll finish out these qualifications. So in the meantime, if you are in our area, we'd love to have you in person uh, for one of our two in-person worship services on Sunday morning. Our first one is at 9 a.m. Our second one is at 10.30 a.m. If you are not able to join us in person, you can join us live on Sunday mornings at our Heights Baptist Church Facebook page or YouTube page at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. Make sure you are clicking the subscribe button there on your podcast app, your YouTube page. Click the thumbs up button there on the Facebook page. That is going to keep you current on all of our information and content that comes out. And so until next time, I hope you have a wonderful week and God bless.